Hello, I'm Pat Roberts, Managing Director of LNG Worldwide Consulting, and I'm producing this podcast in collaboration with the World LNG and Gas Series. And my theme this week is Qatar scores the LNG goal of the week. And of course, the World Cup is underway in Qatar and millions of football fans around the world now realise exactly where Qatar is and what makes this country so successful economically. It's the North Field, the largest gas condensate field in the world with over 1800 TCF of gas reserves and 50 billion barrels of natural gas condensates. It covers an area of 3,700 square miles and it's located in the Persian Gulf in the territorial waters of both Qatar and Iran. And this week, Qatar Energy scored a huge LNG goal by announcing its latest sales and purchase agreement with Sinopec. It's the biggest and longest SPA ever signed in history at 4 million tonnes per annum for 27 years. It's going to be very good for bilateral relations and Qatar Energy, with its 50 million tonne expansion scheduled over the next five years or so, will keep Qatar as one of the top two LNG exporters for the next two decades. Qatar is going to continue to make the headlines. But hot on the heels of this deal came another LNG goal, this time scored by ConocoPhillips, who will take a 30% stake in the first phase of Sempra's Port Arthur liquefaction project in Texas. And this deal involves a 20-year sales purchase agreement for 5 million tonnes per annum and another huge deal. And in fact, it is going to be these long-term commitments, which is exactly what we need to see to push our business forward over the next two decades. Scoring goals is always the bright side of our work. But of course, behind all of that lies the very complex structure of our business. And this week in the podcast, I'm going to try and summarise a couple of initiatives which have been aimed at looking and questioning the structure of that business. And I start with what I think is a hugely complex and contentious issue, and that is about setting a price cap when spot gas prices rise. Now, in August 2022, we saw European gas prices spike to over 315 euros per megawatt hour. And the EU Commission tasked analysts and economists to look at the possibility of establishing a price cap. No one envies this job. The concept of a price cap has deeply divided the 27 EU states. Some states say they need it to help protect their economies. Other argue strongly that it won't dampen demand and that LNG will simply flow to other high-priced markets and there will be a supply security issue as a result. But nevertheless, the European Commission has pushed on with trying to develop a concept and this week they announced a concept and as currently described, it is a price cap but it would be used when TTF exceeds euros 275 per megawatt hour for two weeks and that the gap between TTF and LNG prices would have to be more than 58 euros per MMBTU for 10 consecutive trading days. The first reactions from analysts and traders is that they don't expect such high levels to be sustained for these periods of time to qualify the use of the cap at all. And so the first reaction to this is, is it really a cap? 
it does look to me as though it is quite a compromised and heavily negotiated proposal. And we're waiting to hear what is the summary of November the 24th meeting when the EU energy ministers met to approve various new policies to mitigate the energy crisis. And certainly the price cap was on the agenda and the news flowing out, this is early now on the 25th of November when I'm recording this, is that you know the European states are still quite heavily divided. But other things were going on at that meeting too. The idea of speeding up permits for renewable energy sources and launching joint purchase initiatives in the EU for LNG. And so far, no no positive news has come out on either of those, but there's one to watch over the next day or so. And the last piece of news that I wanted to cover in the podcast is really a summary of an overview from COP27. And I don't know how much you have um, followed this and read into it, but I'm going to try now to give a sort of um, a top line summary of, of some of the outputs from COP27. I think point number one is that it certainly did try to keep alive the longer term goals to see the 1.5 degree pathway aligned with the Paris Agreement. But it recognised that the Russian-Ukraine war has influenced and compromised short term political decisions. Restoring energy security is now really pretty much on top of everyone's agenda, and it's quite clear that more coal is being burnt. Disappointingly, the acceleration that we felt some 12 months ago after COP26 to phase down coal hasn't happened in 2022. So another point that came out of COP27 was, could it build on the phase down of the coal commitment? Well, it failed to do that, it seems. And it looks as though fossil fuels will actually play a bigger role now in the solution to the global energy crisis over the next few years. And COP27, I think, signalled that the world's efforts on climate change will shift from mitigation to adaptation. And the cost of adaptation alone is really estimated at a very high level, over $400 billion a year. And the IPCC have put the costs of mitigation at much higher, something like three to six times higher than the capital flows which have already been committed. So if we look at adaptation, what does it really mean? Well, it would mean more CCS or carbon removal technology going to be essential to try to reach net zero by 2050. And it's quite clear that government support for CCS is increasing. But perhaps what caught the headlines uh, for the longest over COP27 was the loss and damage reparation. It's probably the most covered outcome from COP27 to date, saying that additional finance is going to be made available for countries which are vulnerable to the effects of climate change. Now, it is seen as a major step forward from the impasse of many previous meetings. And developed countries, though, fell short of their annual climate financing goal, which was agreed in 2009. In fact, in metrics, just $83 billion was raised in 2020 of the $100 billion which had been committed that year. So member countries have now agreed to set up a new framework, which will be ready in time for COP28, and it will determine the contributors and the recipients of the loss and damage reparations. Voluntary carbon markets were also covered at COP27, and it seems to me that little was achieved um, specifically at this meeting, where there's going to be deferral of um, governments until next year to improve their regulation and to make carbon trades more transparent. 
And the other point, I think, was on methane reduction. They're more encouraging. The methane reduction pledges are gaining momentum. And it's very important if you think that methane is responsible for about 30 percent of global warming. It seems now that 151 countries have endorsed methane reduction and the US Inflation Reduction Act of itself also includes a tax on methane leakage. Overall, stepping back, is this all good or is it bad for LNG? And I think to me, it is good. It looks that for the foreseeable future, we are going to need gas and we're going to need renewables working constructively side by side. They will achieve the continuity of some type of affordable energy price during the long transition and LNG will help to bridge intermittency issues with renewables. I think the best thing is possible that LNG will see it being translated into investments. And I'm hopeful that from 2023, we'll see a lot more liquefaction support coming in to the business. If we move now to our last section on short term dynamics, it has been the milder weather across Europe in the last few weeks that's helped Europe now look through its winter based stocks and um, its purchasing. And it sees that with regular weather, plus uh, the Russian gas, which is continuing to flow through the Ukraine, there is a reasonable optimistic hope that energy security is probably guaranteed for this winter. We see the first FSRUs starting to arrive now as planned in Germany. And Germany's Chancellor Scholz himself made an announcement to say he's now becoming more optimistic that energy security is guaranteed for this winter. Let's have a roundup of spot January prices from the forward curve. They're all up on the week. We have JKM at $30.19 per MMBTU, TTF at $38.94 per MMBTU, Henry Hub at $7.67 and Brent down on the week at $84.92 per barrel for January. Spot LNG vessels for 174,000 cube ship are at the $425 to $475,000 a day. So that's it for me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and please review it and rate it for us as this helps to make the podcast much more discoverable on social media. Next week, we won't be having an LNG wrap as I'll be attending and chairing DMG's World LNG in Athens. So we'll be back a week later. And until then, stay safe. And thank you very much for joining. Thank you and goodbye.